welcome back to our youth sermon series. Uh, I'm super excited about this one. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We're going to do, so, so let me kind of lay this out for you guys. We're going to start a series on Ruth next week, okay? Four chapters, four sermons on Ruth. I'm very excited about it. I think it uh, especially applies into what's going on in everyone's lives right now. Um, but we'll start on that next week. I need some more time to kind of get, get everything set and, and do some more research and that sort of thing. So um, for this sermon, I'm going to preach one that I've preached several years ago, uh, but I think it also, one, I think it's just useful really once every few months to talk about, but unfortunately I'm going to do it once every three years. So, uh, but, but today I want to talk to you guys about rest a little bit. And, and so th- this, was, this is why this will be fun, I think. Um, my hope is this sermon will put you to sleep, right? Uh, that this sermon will make you want to go to sleep. So if you're that kind of person where anytime, you know, the music's over, the preacher starts preaching and your eyes start to get droopy, right? Parents, look at some of you guys too, right? But, but rejoice because this one is for you. So all those of you who, who like to nap a little bit during the sermon and stuff like that, just kind of put your feet up, relax, put a blanket over it because you are going to be worshiping in the best way, all right? So uh, we're going to talk about rest a little bit. I I can't tell you how many times I talk to people, and the first thing that they tell me is that they're tired. Uh, Students, adults, in school, out of school, everyone is looking for rest. And they should be because sleep takes up about 30% of our lives. Nearly a third, I want you to think about that. Nearly a third of your life, nearly a third of my life, is spent asleep. And for some of you, I know it's more like, well, okay, it's closer to half, but then that's fine, but whatever. But for most of us, it's closer to about a third of our lives we spend asleep. So we need more sermons about sleep. We need Bible studies about rest. Can you imagine how many college kids would pick up a Bible study on nap time, right? Like all oh, the Old Testament, all oh, the prophets, oh, but, but on why sleep is good? I think it would sell out immediately. So we need these things. Maybe one of you can write a Bible study on sleep someday. Um, because according to one study, it is very necessary. According to one study, nearly half the country, nearly half of our country qualifies as sleep-deprived. 156,566,000 people. Now, I want you to think about this. People are sleep-deprived. People who work at your bank with your money are sleep-deprived. People who work on fixing and cooking your food at restaurants are sleep deprived. People who work on our roads, people who work at our schools, people who work defending our country, people in these jobs and many others, some of them are sleep deprived. Is that what you want? Someone watching, you know, watching out on our military, someone cooking your food is sleep deprived? You really don't think lack of sleep is is an important thing to talk about? This is why we need more sermons on the importance of rest. This is why it's a huge problem. Let's go deeper. Resting is hardwired into who you are as a person, as a creation of God. Let me tell you why that's in bold in my notes. As a creation of God, rest is hardwired into who you are. Because either you'll rest or you will be forced to rest. You can't get out of it. There, you, could, you could have you know, no parents, no supervision, whatever, as long as you want, and eventually you will rest. There are ways you would act out that are contrary to what God wants you to do, but 
Lack of sleep is not one of them. You will literally be forced to rest because it's hardwired into who you are. Rest is a part of what makes you human. Just like your body was designed to naturally take in oxygen, your body is designed to sleep. And just like a body that doesn't take in oxygen, when you deprive yourself of sleep, the results can be devastating. But it's deeper even than that because here's how it works. Your body has an internal clock. You can look this up anywhere. Your body has an internal clock, a system that tells your, your brain when to release certain chemicals at certain times that you need to survive. It releases those chemicals within your body. Melatonin, right? I can already sense some of you getting droopy here. Melatonin is a chemical your brain releases, right? So your brain releases it into the rest of your body. Melatonin is a chemical your brain releases that makes you feel, guess what? Drowsy. It causes your muscles to relax, your heart rate to slow down. It helps you go to sleep. Your body releases melatonin at a certain time every day. When is that certain time? In the early evening. As the sun is beginning to go down, your body also is starting to release melatonin to make you sleepy. This release continues peaking at about 3 a.m. After this, your brain slows down its release and it wears off by morning. The sun comes up, the light triggers alerts in your brain that completely cut off the melatonin and that's what wakes your body up. Melatonin release coordinates, did you catch this? With nighttime. It coordinates with nighttime. Melatonin is cut off by exposure to sunlight in the morning, thus waking your body up. Your body is connected to this world that you live in. We were built to work, Genesis 2.15. We were also built to rest. Just like the earth was created with day and the earth was created with night, the blueprint with the earth and your body is one in the same. Because the creator of earth and your body is one and the same. They have the same cycle. Night is also when cells in your body repair themselves. The brain gets exposed to chemicals during sleep that it needs to repair and restore itself. It's not just static, like you're awake and everything's fine, and you're asleep and everything's fine. No, when you're asleep, there are chemical things happening in your body that have to happen to keep you healthy, and they don't happen at any other time than when you're asleep. Without these chemicals helping your brain, it can badly affect your stress level, your mood, hunger, empathy. All these things, my point, are connected to sleep. This is part of why exposure to cell phones and screens and laptop screens right before bed can be so damaging. The light from it triggers your and alerts your brain into thinking that it's sunlight. Remember, and when sunlight comes, your brain stops releasing melatonin. It cuts off this melatonin. That's why you can't sleep after looking at a cell phone or looking at a computer for, for hours on end right before your bedtime because that melatonin has not released yet. It's been cut off because your brain thinks it's sunlight. You were created by God and designed to sleep at night. What you do instead of sleep shines a light, pun intended, on the things that you value more than God's good designs. Let me rephrase that. God has designed you to sleep at night. 
He has designed your body to release chemicals to help you sleep at night. He has designed your body to release chemicals that heal itself while you sleep at night. He has designed you to sleep at night. And so whatever you are doing at night that is contrary to that, whatever I'm doing at night that pushes back against the sleep I've been designed to get, it shows, whatever I'm doing shows me what I value more than God's good design. Now, I'm not talking about maybe you go to a sleepover once in a blue moon, right, and you stay up all night, or collide, you stay up all night. That's idolatry. That's not what I'm saying. But I am talking about every day during the school year, or even during summertime, long after your parents and your body has said, it's time for bed, I'm still up. I'm still in front of the TV. I'm still on social media. Why is that? This is not how God designed me. So what is it in this moment that I love more than God's good design? See, sleep is not, and we'll talk about this later on, sleep is not just a physical thing. Sleep is a worship thing. Sleep is an obedience thing. Rest in general, right? Because sometimes I don't want you to get so worked up about this that you can't sleep and now you're not worshiping. No, no, no. Rest is, is, is a way of worship. And we'll talk about that later. But we see this through all parts of life, this importance of rest, this how we've been designed to sleep and rest. And we see the consequences of disobeying God's good design as well. You see, what's interesting is people who may not even believe in God are still living according to God's design every day. No matter how much they don't want God to be real, they can't get out of his real design. They don't want the architect to be real, but they're still living in the building that he made, and they can't get out of it. Prime example, Jeff Bezos, and I'll explain who he is in a second, but this guy named Jeff Bezos says this, I'm more alert. I think more clearly. I feel better. And this is what you want. I want You want to be more alert? You want to think more clearly? I feel better all day long if I've had seven to eight hours of sleep. Some of you may not know who this is. Jeff Bezos is the CEO of a small mom-and-pop shop called Amazon, and he's worth $117 billion. And he's telling you he didn't just give you business strategy. Well, maybe he did. He's talking about the importance of sleep. By the way, I preached a sermon three years ago, and I used the same example, and Jeff Bezos was only worth $83 billion. He's gone up like whatever that is, $30 billion in three years, the dude gets eight hours of sleep a night. Now, does eight hours of sleep get him $117 billion? No. I wish it, if it were like that, my wife would be the wealthiest person on the planet if sleep correlated to cash. So does eight hours of sleep get him $117 billion? No. But are the two related? Oh, yeah. You better believe they are. Just two nights in a row, of getting too little sleep can reduce your reaction time and your and your attention span and your endurance by 20%. A fifth of your endurance out the window after just two nights of not getting enough sleep. Athletes, the big fad right now in athletics, the big training fad is hiring what's called, I kid you not, is hiring what's called a sleep coach, which sounds like the best job ever, to help these athletes figure out ways to sleep deeper and fall asleep faster because athletes are seeing how important rest is to the demands put on their body. For example, LeBron, LeBron James, right? 
LeBron James, I kid you not, 12 hours of sleep a night. 12 hours this dude spends asleep. He's not partying in L.A. with the rest of the Lakers. This guy is at the top of his profession, and he is focusing on rest. Roger Federer, 11 to 12 hours of sleep a night. Usain Bolt, right, Olympian sprinter, 8 to 10 hours of sleep a night. All these, all these you know, athletes in high school and even middle school, they talk about how much they want to make it into the pros, and yet they spend all this time awake at night, consistently tearing their bodies down just by staying awake too late. Grant Hill spent 19 seasons in the NBA, okay? Dude was in the NBA longer than most of y'all have been alive. This is what Grant Hill says. Sleep was just as important as exercise while I was in the NBA. Now think about that. This guy's a professional athlete. He's lifting weights. He's running sprints. He's dunking on people. He's doing awesome stuff. But he says sleep was just as important. Think about how important exercise is as a pro athlete. You eat, you eat, live, and breathe exercise. And Grant Hill says sleep was just as important as this. Sleep is all over creation. It is God's good design. People want to change the gender God has designed for them. And it is leading to chaos and stress and depression and disaster. Because this is something that is not meant to change. It is part of God's design. This is the same reason that nobody's trying to stay awake for 12 days in a row. Because we are not designed to change this. Not just because, why, why shouldn't I try to change this? Because it's bad. No, no, go deeper. Why is it bad? Because it's trying to change a design that is not meant to change. Trying to change the building the architect has built for you. And here's another thing. If you're not getting a regular amount of sleep, if you're not getting healthy levels of sleep, you are breaking the sixth commandment. The sixth commandment is do not murder. Ooh, right? Let me explain what I mean. According to the National Highway and Traffic Safety Administration, falling asleep at the wheel results in roughly 100,000 crashes, 71,000 injuries, and 155 deaths due to vehicle-related incidents each year in the United States. 100,000 car crashes, 71,000 injuries, 1,550 automobile deaths each year in the U.S., you can Wikipedia this later. The Exxon Valdez oil spill, the Challenger space shuttle explosion, the Metro North train crash in New York, all linked at some... Now, this isn't the only reason that these things happen, but all of them, somewhere in the chain of what went wrong, sleep deprivation by someone on staff. This is a hugely... And I can just hear some people saying like, oh, good, he's not talking about something that matters. He's not talking about something that's important. This is very important. This is a big deal. And you say, well, the Exxon Valdez, I don't even know what that is. I'm not going to do that. No, you probably won't. But remember that lack of sleep directly affects your stress level and mood. It gives you a much shorter temper with mom or dad or with your younger or older siblings, with your teacher or your boss. It causes you to move much closer to hating those people, at least in that moment. 
It can lead to things. Lack of sleep is almost this gateway drug that leads to worse and worse sins being committed and things going wrong. And to fix this sin problem, you don't necessarily need to read your Bibles nine hours a day, though you have plenty of time on your hands right now. But you don't necessarily have to read your Bibles nine hours a day to fix this. You need to do what your Bible says and go to sleep. Sleeping results in higher levels of patience, more responsible action, sleep, in, in, in short, so, so more responsibility, um, more patience, more decisive action. Sleep, in, in, summed up, is a way of helping us love our neighbor. And during this pandemic, that commandment is getting finally getting the airtime it deserves. It's not just on our Instagram pages. It's in our lives. We have to start loving our neighbors as ourselves, or none of this is going to change. Take a nap, and when your parents say, it's noon, what are you doing? Be like, Mom, I'm being theologically correct here. I'm trying to love my neighbor. In fact, m make me and you look real good. Here's what I want you to do. Call a family meeting, right? Call a family meeting. Get them all in the living room, right? And tell mom and dad that you think that during this stay-at-home season, the whole house, the whole neighborhood, in fact, should shut down for an hour a day, and, and the whole family's got to take a nap. Mom will be so proud. She'll be tearing up at how responsible you're being. And let's be honest, dad will probably already be asleep in his chair anyway. So it's perfect, right? It's perfect. Now, I'm joking a little bit there, but at the same time, Maybe every family could use a, a little siesta, if you will. But sleep is not just how we love our neighbor. Sleep is a way to show that you love and trust God. Yes, those of you who love to nap, those of you who are drowsy all the time, listen, rejoice, because sleep is actually a way of worship. And when you get rest at night or in the evening, when you get good sleep, that's such great practice for trusting God. You're trusting him with your problems. Now, now think about this, because we say this all the time, and people say amen in church, right? God can do more in a minute. And, I, and I'm not exaggerating here, I don't think. God can do more in a minute than you could do in a thousand years, right? In terms of impacting the world. God could do more in a minute than you could do in a thousand years. And if he can do more in a minute... 60 seconds that you could do in a 1,000 years. Imagine how much he could get done in the seven to eight hours that you're asleep. When we rest, we are practicing trust in God. Here's how. Every night when you, when you are asleep, you stop working completely. Right? Mind blown. You're not working to get ahead. You're not trying to figure out drama that's happening in your life. You're not trying to figure out a way to get the attention of the guy or girl that you like. You're not trying to fix family problems. When you sleep, you show the world that the world can survive without your help. It's a big step of humility and trust to make yourself take time to rest. And that's how rest and trust work together. You're finally putting your money where your mouth is, if you know that expression. You say you trust God. You say he can do more in a minute than you can do in a thousand years. We'll show that by giving him seven to eight hours to do something amazing in other people's lives that you're praying for while you rest. Another way that rest and trust work together, a biblical example, on the seventh day, God rested. 
This word means he ceased working. That's, that's really more what it means. It's not so much about sleep. Remember, he's God, right? So when it says rest, it means he ceased working. He stopped. He finished. He rested. He wasn't, he wasn't tired. He didn't need sleep. But his work was complete. This day was called the Sabbath, when God was finished with creation. Now move forward to Moses and the Israelites. God gives them a command. The seventh day in Israel was a celebration of God's work being done. So they were not to work on that seventh day in Hebrew culture. Let me show you an example here. Exodus chapter 20, verses 10 through 11. Exodus chapter 20, second book in the Bible, right? Exodus chapter 20, verses 10 through 11 says this. God is speaking. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you shall not do any work. There it is. You shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in, the, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that was in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, it, it's even you can even see creation. In it. One, he says creation is the reason God's giving this order. But also you can see it's not just about sleep. It's more about stop working. They are not to work. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about how bizarre a day with no work at all must have sounded to these guys. There were no supermarkets. What you eat depends on how well you hunt and how hard you work in the field. There was no construction company. Your house is done when you're done building it. So there is no holiday. There is no weekend. There is no day off. You can rest when you have food. <laughs> That's when you eat. You can have clothes when you're done making them. You can, you can stop working on your house when the roof is done, right? No other country in existence at that time had a Sabbath. Why would they stop working? Bro, your house isn't finished. Their very lives depended on their work. And God says here, no, it doesn't. Giving the Sabbath, giving a day of no work, was God's way of showing Israel and showing the world, you don't depend on your work. You depend on me. I provide for you. I take care of you. Now think about this. You were slaves in Egypt. In Egypt, you were literally worked like slaves. You worked harder than anybody in Egypt, nonstop. And yet your work didn't get you out of Egypt. I did. I ultimately freed you. What an amazing reminder from the Old Testament, which some people think we should disregard, which is ridiculous. What an amazing reminder from the Old Testament that Israel worked so hard, and that didn't get them out of Egypt. God did. And in the same way, we are to work hard in what we have to do, our schoolwork, with our family, with our jobs. But ultimately, that work is never going to get you out of the Egypt in your heart. The slaves that we are to sin, that working is never going to free us from that. Only God can. That's what the Sabbath is pointing to. And in the same way, just like in the Old Testament, God is telling them, your, your work's not going to ultimately take care of you. I will. And in the same way today, your work at school, at your job, in sports, in music, in drama, whatever, your work won't ultimately take care of you. 
And I'm worried that a lot of students are working as if the diploma is what's going to take care of them. As if the scholarship is what's going to ultimately take care of them. As if the right college, as if the right job is what is going to ultimately take care of them. And none of those things are bad. I've talked about this ad nauseum. None of those things are bad in and of themselves, but the human heart can take a good thing and turn it into an idol like that. And I'm just asking you to think about this, whether private school, public school, homeschool, high school, middle school, whatever. Parents, I, I don't know, whatever. What do you think is ultimately going to take care of you? The Sabbath was a day of trust. God is saying, take a day off in the week to show that you trust me, that you trust in my work. That's the point of why we rest, and that's what we give up when we don't rest. We give up trust, ultimately, not just physical comfort that comes from rest, but the spiritual trust that rest points to. The Sabbath was a day of trust. I'm not finished, Lord. I've got all this work to do. My, my, the roof of my house is not finished yet. But whatever you start, Lord, you finish, and I'll trust you. Don't miss, by the way, that Adam and Eve created on the sixth day. So their first full day on earth was the what? The seventh, the Sabbath. Adam and Eve's first full day was spent resting, celebrating God's finished work with God. The whole point of the Sabbath was to remember and rely on God's finished work. And where does God's finished work take human form? In John 19.30, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And what does he say? It is finished. Before Jesus, on the Sabbath, the Israelites had to say, I, I can't see all that your work is finished, but I'm trusting you. But on the cross, we get to see what the Israelites never had access to. We see God's work on the cross in Jesus Christ finished. The Sabbath was to show us that it's not about our works. Who really shows us that it's not about our works? Jesus. Jesus is the true and better Sabbath day. He rose on the first day of the week, Sunday, which is why we don't celebrate the Sabbath, which is Saturday. And, and, and which day, I don't want this is the thing, I don't want us to get lost in the weeds here. Which day doesn't totally matter anymore? You may want to look at Romans chapter 14, verse 5. Romans chapter 14, verse 5. And when I say it doesn't matter, I'll explain what I'm talking about in a second. Romans chapter 14. Verse 5, should, should we celebrate? You know, what about Seventh-day Adventists? What about this? What do we do? Romans 14, 5, Paul says this. One person regards one day, there it is, above another. One day is more important. Another regards every day of the week alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Paul is saying this. Since we trust God's finished work in Jesus... We don't need one specific day to show our trust in God. We are now supposed to show, if anything, the Sabbath command has been elevated to every day of the week. We show that every day through trusting Christ with our lives through our rest. When you rest, look, when you rest, you work better, 
You feel better. You live better. You enjoy God more. You see God more clearly. And that's the main thing. You were built to rest because you were built to love God. Rest helps you love God. That's the key. Rest forces us to understand that we are not God. And we never can be. People say, well, I know I'm not God. Yeah, but when you try to stay up all night, that's what you're doing. And again, I'm not talking about a sleepover or whatever. I'm talking about when you stay up all night on your phone, trying to know everything, trying to finish this, trying. You're, you say you're not omniscient, but you're trying to be. You say you can't be everywhere and know everything, but that's exactly what you're doing. Rest is a key to to defeating types of idolatry. You don't want to be an idolater, right? That's bad, right? It's Old Testament, that's bad. You don't want to idolize things. How can I stop that, Ryan? Go to bed. Rest. If I stay up all night, I'm telling the world that I'm the one I trust to keep my job. I'm the one I trust to make my relationships go. I'm the one I trust to keep my friendships alive. I'm the one that I trust with my life. But if you sleep and make rest a priority, you are showing the world, I trust someone else to keep my relationship going. I trust someone else to keep my friendships alive. I trust someone else with my happiness. I trust someone else with my life. Rest is a way of evangelism. One of the 10,000 things that God is doing in this strange season that we're in, I guarantee you, is that he is forcing some of us to rest. Finally, right? Uh, you remember Psalm 23, right? Everybody loves Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. What does he do? Do you remember this? He makes me lie down in green pastures. I think some of us need to remember that sometimes God's got to be a little rough and make us lie down so that we can be healthy and safe and love him more. Sometimes he has to make us lie down in green pastures and rest. And I think that's one of the 10,000 things he's doing during this strange season is he's making some of us who are so driven. It's good to be driven. It's not good to make drivenness an idol. And I think for some of us, he's taking that away from us. He's cleansing that temple of our hearts where, where our work ethic is our God. But what a shame it would be to see this pandemic only as a chance to get some overdue physical rest. That's good, but that's not the end goal. Look around you, right? Take a hard look at the world we're living in. People are desperately searching for physical and spiritual rest. And what does Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty eight? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray.